Hello and welcome to episode 5 of The Mediocre Writer. I'm your host Michael, and in this episode, we are looking at the final step in the writing process, publishing. Unlike the previous steps where we mainly focused on the craft of storytelling, here we're focusing on the logistics. How do I get my book on the shelf? How do I get it listed online? How do I go pro as a writer? As it turns out, there are actually two ways to accomplish this, and one of the biggest choices you'll make as a writer is deciding which path to choose. The first route to publishing is the traditional route, where you sign a deal with a publishing company, and that company distributes your book to the masses. The other route is self-publishing, where, as the name would suggest, you are the publisher. Now, as you explore these options, and many of you probably already have, you'll hear a lot of strong opinions about each option. You'll hear people who prefer traditional publishing claim that self-published authors aren't real authors. And you'll hear people on the self-published side claiming that traditional writers aren't going to survive in the 21st century. Tune all that out. Both are completely viable options, each with their own pros and cons, which we'll cover in this episode. I want to start by talking about the traditional route, since I think that's the one most people associate with publishing. To be traditionally published, you need to land a book deal with a professional publishing company. There's a lot of mysticism surrounding the book deal, partly because of the disconnect between writers and publishers, and partly because a book deal is just so hard to get. Many writers spend years trying before they finally land the deal, and some never get one at all. So what does it take to get a book deal? The process itself is actually fairly straightforward. To land a deal with most major publishers, especially the big five, writers need a literary agent. The agent is the liaison between the writer and publisher. They have all the connections in the literary world and the expertise to know which publisher would be a good match for your book. Most publishers will not read or even accept your book query unless it's given to them by an agent. There are just too many potential books out there for publishers to sift through, so they turn to agencies to do the sifting for them. That, however, makes agents also a challenge to land, as they've now inherited the slush pile of manuscripts and queries from thousands of aspiring writers. So how do you make yourself stand out to an agent? Well, there's a few things you'll need to do. First, make sure your story is as good as it can possibly be. A weak story won't sell, no matter how many agents you query. Like I mentioned in the last episode, you should have gone through a lot of revision work before you even considered publishing. Your written work is the one part of the entire process which you have complete control over, so make it great. And please don't send an unfinished story. A lot of writers like to query early because they know how long this process could take, but if you do hook an agent with your query and they request the full manuscript that you don't have, you've just shot yourself in the foot. You'll lose your chance at the potential deal and have to start over. My advice, finish your story, and during the query process, start writing the next book. That'll be a much more effective use of your time. Secondly, you need to do your research to find potential agents. There are hundreds, if not thousands out there, all with varying interests and appetites for stories. Identify the ones whose interests match with what you're writing. They usually have profiles on their agency website that you can read up on. And each agency usually has a diverse set of agents to accommodate most genres. As a sci-fi fantasy writer, I went into each agency's website knowing there would be that one guy with the glasses who was a fantasy fan, and that's the one who I would query. Once you've got your short list of potential agents, it's time to actually start querying. Each agent and or agency is going to have very specific criteria for submission, so make sure you follow these instructions to a T, because if you don't, your query will be thrown away. The actual contents of the query can vary, but just about every agent will ask for a query letter. 
This is essentially you giving your elevator pitch, both for your story and for yourself as a writer. I'm sure you have a lot to say on both subjects, but keep your query letter at a normal email length. About three or four really short and succinct paragraphs. There's a lot of examples online, so use those as templates to help you craft a strong letter. Remember, how you compose your query letter reflects on your ability as a writer, so make it great too. Agents may also request some additional materials. The common ones are an author bio, usually one page, a sample of your manuscript, which could be anything from the first five to about the first 50 pages or so, and they may also ask for a one-page synopsis of your story. I've seen agents who request all of these items. I've seen agents who want nothing but the query letter. Whatever the case, again, make sure you follow their instructions exactly. And to save you time, you can typically reuse these materials for multiple agents with a few tweaks here and there. So really work to strengthen your material before sending them off. Your chances of acceptance are unfortunately pretty small, so try to increase that margin in any way you can. When I queried agents, I followed the advice I heard online, which was to query about six to eight agents at a time. Then give them the standard four to six weeks to respond, and if nothing happened, send out another batch of six to eight queries. As I learned quickly though, this is a numbers game, so I eventually abandoned that whole six to eight query rule. My advice, start slow, see if you can get some feedback on your materials or your book, and then when you feel more confident in your materials, just carpet bomb the literary world. Strategically, of course. Don't send to agents outside your genre, and don't send to more than one agent per agency. Instead, send to as many agencies as you can find. If you get rejected by one agent, that's usually the green light to query a separate agent from the same agency. When an agent likes what they see, they'll usually request the full manuscript. And if they like that, then there's a good chance you'll become their newest client. As I mentioned before, this process can take a long time. Agents will typically take several weeks to get back to you, and many will not respond at all. Some will respond, but with the same form letter they send to every writer they reject. It can feel very discouraging, but do your best not to take it personally. Rejection often isn't because they disliked your work. Your work just didn't fit what they're looking for at this moment. Remember that these are industry experts. They know what's selling well, and their mission is to match that need in the market. Otherwise, they would just lead aspiring writers into failure. Their priority is also their current clients, not potential new clients, so they don't have much time to dedicate to reading query letters, hence the four to six week wait. Though that's also just a guesstimate, I've had rejection letters that came to me within a week, I've had others that took about four months after the fact. Again, it all sounds very discouraging, but the rejection process is one of the most important trials you'll go through as a writer. The drive you give yourself to keep going is what will help you succeed. One last tip before we move on is, within your query letters, try to identify some common ground with the agent. For example, I'm an FSU graduate, so I made sure when I queried agents who are also FSU alumni to mention that connection. Though they didn't accept my work, their rejection letters were easily the warmest and most constructive. They were also some of the only agents that actually read my work. I should mention at this point that I am a self-published author, which is pretty evident when you see how many reviews I have on my book on Amazon. So querying is really as far as I got into the traditional publishing process. That being said, I'm pretty familiar with the pros and cons of this process, which became a part of my reason to self-publish. So let me lay them out for you here. Pro. An agent, at least a good agent, is an excellent resource. They will be your champion in the publishing world, making noise about your work and your talents as a writer to help attract that elusive book deal. They also make great advisors. One thing you should know about agents is that they're never looking to sell just one book. They want to sell clients. 
They want clients who they can build a long-term professional relationship with, so they can sell multiple books with you, and they will provide you guidance to help you achieve that long-term success. Know that when you do sign on with an agent, they do typically take a 15% commission on your book deal. This may sound like a con, but it's actually to your benefit because it incentivizes your agent to get the biggest deal possible. On top of that, you gain a wealth of knowledge about the publishing industry, so I would argue it's a pretty fair cost of admission. That being said, you want to make sure you get the right agent for you. It's sort of like looking for a job. You should be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. If you feel the agent doesn't have your best interest in mind, you don't have to sign with them. And never pay an agent up front. No reputable agent charges a service fee. They should only take commission. Take your time and make sure you find the right champion for your work. Con. You lose a lot of creative license when you sign with a publisher. They often determine the cover of your book, the trim size, and even the title. You can probably negotiate some of these points to some extent before you sign, but know that the publisher will probably have final say over most of these items, especially if you're a fairly new writer. They can also request edits on your manuscript, though I don't view this as a con as it's typically done to help you improve your manuscript and help you to sell more books. Just know that you may not come out of this process with the book you necessarily wanted or envisioned. Pro. The agent and the publisher will handle most of the business side, which frees up more of your time for writing, which is what they're really paying you for. They will manage finding a cover artist, the technical details of printing and distribution, book rights, negotiations, etc. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be paying close attention to the business side, but traditional publishing will provide more resources to help you towards success. Con. Though publishers and agents support the business side, they don't provide you much marketing support. Big-name publishers usually reserve their marketing budget for their big-name authors, so debut authors typically have to fend for themselves. If you came into this thinking that the book deal would whisk you away to success, think again. A book deal merely puts your book on the shelf. You have to convince readers to buy it. These pros and cons should hopefully give you a better sense of traditional publishing. Now we're going to transition into self-publishing, which is in many ways more streamlined than traditional publishing. There's no querying, no agents, no publishers. It's just you, which in itself is a pro and a con, but we'll get to that. First, let me take you through the logistical steps to self-publish your book. To self-publish your book, there are four items that you'll need. A completed manuscript, a professional edit, a book cover, and an ISBN. Just like in traditional publishing, make sure that manuscript is as strong as possible. Otherwise, the rest of this process will be a complete waste of your time and your money. To get the best product possible, you'll want to hire a professional editor. I don't believe that self-publishing platforms necessarily require the professional edit, but they should. No book should ever be released without a professional editor's approval. Editors are trained to find all the things that we writers miss. I recommend hiring one once you've reached the point where you no longer know what to revise in your story. That's when the editor can step in and uncover things that you never considered doing. They'll point out flaws, plot holes, structural problems, and even just genuine opportunities to enhance your story. It's fairly easy to hire a professional editor. A quick online search will give you hundreds of options to choose from. So which one do you choose? Do your research. Some editors will specialize in certain genres, some will have better reputations than others, and some will come at different price ranges. I would go into this expecting to spend over $1,000. I know that's no small fee, especially when you're first starting out, but I promise it's well worth the investment, as long as you invest in the right one. 
I found a service that gave a free sample edit of my first few pages of my manuscript, and once I saw how helpful the notes were on my sample, I paid for the full service. If the service you're considering doesn't offer a free sample, try connecting with a representative to learn more about what they offer. Of course, they're going to try and sell you as best they can, so best to get in touch with a few services so you can compare notes and choose the option that's best for you. Next up is the book cover. I don't recommend designing this on your own unless you happen to be a professional cover designer. If you're not, an actual cover designer will do a much better job. There are a lot of designers out there, all with different specialties and different price ranges, so just like every other topic we've covered in this episode, you're probably going to have to do your research. Expect to spend anywhere from $50 to $500 or so dollars on your book cover. Some can come even cheaper, but in those cases, you're going to get what you paid for. Remember, everyone judges a book by its cover. It's the single most important part of your marketing, so invest accordingly. Personally, I found my designer through a website called 99designs. He specialized in my genre and had a great portfolio, so I took a chance and made him an offer. The site allowed me to back out of the deal if I didn't like the design, which made me more comfortable giving it a try. And I'm glad I tried because I ended up loving the design and paying the designer what was promised. Just like with the professional editor, test the water and see what works for you. Finally, you need an ISBN. This one's pretty straightforward. ISBN stands for International Standard Book Number, and every book has one. Your book needs one in order to be sold, and you probably already knew this. To order one, just go to Boker, spelled B-O-W-K-E-R, and you can order an ISBN for about $100. If you plan to publish in multiple formats, such as print, ebook, and or audiobook, you'll need separate ISBNs for each. You have the option to order packages of 10 ISBNs at a super discounted rate, which is great if you plan to continue self-publishing additional books. Once you have the ISBNs, your book cover, and your professionally edited manuscript, you're ready to self-publish. To do so, there are several online platforms that support self-publishing. I personally did it through Amazon's platform called KDP. You don't have to use this one, but Amazon does control most of the book market, so that's what I would recommend doing. Once you have an account with KDP or whichever platform you use, you'll be able to start listing your book. You'll need to create separate entries for each format, one for ebook, one for print, and one for audiobook. I strongly encourage you to publish in all three formats. Customers have different preferences, so offering all three options will maximize your sales. Your entry will include information like your book title, book description, ISBN, author info, an upload of your manuscript, which must be formatted to your trim size. That's very important. And most important of all, your search keywords. Search keywords are what the customers enter when they're searching for a product. Amazon gives you seven keyword slots, so you want to make sure that each one will land you the most relevant customer searches. You don't want keywords from other genres because those customers won't be interested in your book. That's kind of a no-brainer. You also don't want to use words that are already in your title, as the title can already be searched without the keywords, so you'd just be wasting a space. You can use keywords related to your genre or topic, for example, fantasy, sci-fi, romance. These could all be keywords, but keep in mind that those are pretty broad and therefore pretty competitive keywords. A lot of other writers use them, so your book may end up several hundred pages down the search list. Instead, use words that fit your niche. For me, my book is a fantasy, but it's more specifically a superhero story. And using keywords related to superhero has generated more success for me. There's even paid services online that will tell you how competitive your keywords are, so you can optimize them. Keep in mind that you can change these keywords as well as any of the other information in your book at any time. 
I do recommend ordering a test copy before you hit the publish button. When it arrives in the mail, you can check and make sure that this is exactly the book that you dreamed of. Plus, it's just really cool to hold in your hand. Okay, so we've gotten through the technical info. Time for some pros and cons to self-publishing. Pro. It saves time on publication. Self-publishing doesn't require any querying, and there's no wait for the book launch. Even after landing a book deal with a traditional publisher, you can still expect to wait about a year or so before the book gets released. With self-publishing, once you've checked all the boxes, you just hit submit and your book entries are sent in for review. And if you did everything correctly, you can expect your book to be live within about three days. Con. You front all the costs. A traditional publisher pays for your editor, your cover design, your ISBNs, plus they manage the distribution, book rights, negotiations, etc. Self-publishing, as the name implies, is a much lonelier position to be in. As you noticed in this episode, it's not cheap either, but it is affordable. If you're willing to front the 2000 or so dollars it requires to self-publish, then go for it, because there are some rewards to doing it this way. Pro. You make more in royalties. While most traditionally published authors make less than 10% in royalties off their book, self-published authors collect 40-60% to 60% of the total sale, minus the cost of printing. So if you're already going to be dependent on your own marketing, self-publishing can be a much more lucrative business model. Con. The low cost of entry makes it a very saturated market. There are a lot of self-published authors all screaming into the void trying to sell their book. If you want the sales, if you want your book to even be noticed, you need to be creative in your marketing. And you need to be willing to put yourself out there. Be smart, be resilient, and think outside the box. Otherwise, you'll never make a return on your investment. As you can see, there are a lot of things to consider when it comes to publishing. I actually didn't expect this episode to be nearly as long as it was, but I think it was worth it so that I could walk you through and give you a solid understanding of your options. Again, I was never traditionally published, so there's still some things hidden behind the veil that I either don't know or can't speak accurately about. Overall, though, I hope this has given you a mostly unbiased look at both sides of publishing. If you already know which way you want to go, then go for it. Do your research, make an action plan, and attack. If you're still unsure, this last section of the episode is going to be my personal recommendation of what I think you should do, but it's entirely my opinion, so don't walk away thinking you have to do it this way. When deciding between traditional and self-publishing, I believe the decision should be based on your goals. If your goal is to be a professional author, writing many books over many years, and building strong connections throughout the industry, then traditional publishing is going to be the best option in the long term. I self-published because that wasn't my goal. Mine is to write for the screen, so I didn't want to be trapped in a multi-book deal if I were ever so lucky to get one. I wanted to be able to manage my own business and grow it in whichever direction I chose. Self-publishing offers more freedom in this regard, but it also offers less opportunity for a professional development as an author. A publisher will hold you to strict deadlines, and those will help you strengthen your writing abilities. And you'll also get access to resources that will help you network, negotiate, and succeed in the publishing world. It just takes time to land that first deal. Don't ever let impatience or fear of rejection be your reason for self-publishing. The querying process is tough, but it's a gauntlet I think every writer should go through. It'll toughen you up, and it also makes you more open to constructive criticism. The draft of my book, which I queried about 30 times unsuccessfully, wasn't ready to be published, and it took some very nice FSU alumni turned agents to steer me in the right direction. Then, after months of careful revision, I came back and decided I wouldn't query this time. 
I would self-publish so I could have a title under my name that I had full control over. And for those of you who want the publishing deal, you could always start as a self-published author and then land a deal on a later book. Self-publishing is a great way to gain experience, learn the business, and start to grow a following. Then you can query an agent down the road and say, hey, I did all these things already and I've got this audience that we can sell to, so how about you check out this new book of mine and help me take the next step? That agent will be much more likely to consider your query. This business isn't black and white. You can try both options, despite what anyone else tells you. There have been plenty of examples of writers who found success in either format, and each in their own way. You can do whatever the heck you want with your career. Just remember, the steps you take should align with your goals. And if those goals change later, then realign your process. The important part is that you're growing as a writer, not just in the writing aspect, but in the professional aspect as well. That's what publishing is really about. This brings us to the end of our series on crafting your story. Hopefully you have some good notes to help you through the writing process. In the next episode, we'll talk about how I went through these four phases to write my book. And trust me, once you learn about the convoluted path that I took, you'll feel a lot better about whichever path that you take. I'm The Mediocre Writer, and thanks for listening.